Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Ortman coming to you live from the Dream Imaginate Sports Studios. It is Friday, June the 28th. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in. This is the day, the day that a lot of people have been circling before this World Cup ever began. This is the day that France and the U.S. face off in the Women's World Cup, the quarterfinal, to see who gets to face England in the semifinal on this side of the bracket. England yesterday were were dominant. A 3-0 performance over Norway. And um, they handled their business, probably played their best match so far. Um you know, looking at uh, at that match, if you're an, if you're a fan of the English women's national team, you have to feel like you're gonna you're gonna have a, a really good chance in this next match. Um, I think that that this match today, France and the U.S. France has been playing better than the U.S. women's national team. Um, you know, I mean, you, you have to set. And I think what what has skewed some of this has been the very first match. The U.S. Women's National Team facing Thailand gave everyone a false sense of where this this team was at in terms of their, their play and their quality of play. They did play well that night, but you have to take into account the quality of the opponent. And... That was that was just a matchup. That was just absolute worst case scenario for um, for Thailand and best case scenario for the U.S. and And I made a statement uh, after that match that the U.S. could score more goals in that one game than they would for the rest of the World Cup. And if they go out today, that is going to to hold up. And um, so it's going to be a tough test. And the reason why I say that is this French women's national team, they have a lot of really talented players. But the one thing that that this French women's national team uh, does is they play as a unit. They play as a team. There are individuals who who are standout individuals, but this team plays as a collective. Uh, it, it is greater because of the fact that they are able to exploit the sum of their parts. Whereas the U.S. Women's National Team seems like there's a bunch of really talented players that you've thrown on the field for the first time. And that is no fault of the players. That's the fo- fault of the coaching staff. Just technically... Tactically, it it has just been uh, a situation where we throw names on a lineup card, we we draw a formation on the board, and then we say go play. And I think the U.S. has recently struggled against France. I I think that that struggle uh, could very well continue today, and um. I think it's a pick a match. I think I think the U.S. could obviously go through and 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 do so. And I think I think France could go through as well. I mean, you know, what has gone on so far has been, you know, a masterful performance from the from the French uh, team in their first match 
everyone was just in awe of that. And then the U.S. came out and beat Thailand in the fashion that they did, and everyone was like, "Oh, the U.S. are 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 here." And um, but but that was a little fool's gold. What we really need to look at is the last uh, you know few matches since, um, and you know looking at the U.S. Sweden match, you know it was it was okay, it wasn't great. The Spanish match on on Monday to me was was a a real problem because the Spanish women's national team they're not there yet but they're coming over the next five to ten years this this team the Spanish women's national team program is going to be a force to be reckoned with and and looking at the way that match played out it was it was a problem for the U.S. They were having all kinds of issues. They couldn't get on the ball. They couldn't keep the ball. The only thing they could do is try to get down the wings. They just were having a lot of issues. And it, and except for the dark arts, they could have gone out on penalties. Um, you know, and in it took two penalties in in you know regulation for them to to even get beyond Spain uh, to one. And so. Um, you know, Spain's not quite lethal enough offensively yet, possession wise. That they're they're you know they're pretty good at keeping the ball, and they had a lot of really dangerous moments. They just weren't able to convert. Um, but they gave the, the U.S. Women's National Team all sorts of issues, and and uh, I felt like the U.S. Women's National Team and Jill Ellis and her staff got it all wrong and and couldn't make adjustments. They didn't make adjustments and were fortunate to get out of there with a win. Um, and looking at today's match, if if they have a similar performance to Monday, I, I think they're going home. Uh, if they if if they play to their best, then I think it's a pick a match. That's that's how close this game is. If France and the U.S. play both to their best level. I think it's a coin toss. I don't think either team is head and shoulders above the other. Now, we have, player for player, the best collection of talent on the planet. The problem is the equalizer for France is the the tactics and the technique and the way that they play as a unit. And so those two things have counterbalanced themselves. And so if the U.S., don't have some great individual performances, this match coming up today at 3 p.m. Eastern could go the wrong direction for the U.S. If France struggles to to keep their composure in this moment and and struggles to to deal with the what I think is going to be an onslaught of pressure in the beginning, I think that the, the, in a similar way that the U.S. tried to come and run at Spain in the very beginning. I think the U.S. is going to try to come out and make a statement from the beginning. They're going to try to get a hold of this match very quickly. They're going to try to attack, 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 attack very quickly. It's going to be a very American style of play, very direct. We're going to come at you. We're just going to get the ball and everything's forward, 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 forward. And I think they're going to try to do that for the first probably 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes of the match. The U.S. are just going to come, 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 come at France. And it's going to be interesting to see how France handles that pressure 
do they just break that with possession? Do do they do they are they able to keep possession and calm the game down and take the U.S. completely out of the match in the way that they want to play, which is what Spain ultimately were able to do. Um, you know that that's going to be the interesting you know uh, back and forth in the beginning of this match. The longer this match goes on, and and the U.S. have not pulled away, I think it it. it gets worse and worse for the U.S. in terms of a result. I think the U.S. have got to be the the front runner. That's how they they that's how they win. That's how they play. They've got to get out on the front foot. They've got to get a lead, and they need to build that lead. If they don't build that lead, or if they're not able to get a lead in the first place, I think it's going to be a very frustrating day for this U.S. women's national team. And in the fault lie squarely at the feet of the coaching staff, not getting this team uh, able to play at a, at a level uh, commiserate with their talent. And, uh, you know, if, if, if our U.S. women's national team were, were taught and coached to play the way that Spain plays, they would be unbeatable, untouchable. Let's be clear. Not even France would be in a match with them if they if they play technically and tactically as a unit as a squad in that way the way that Spain plays the way that France plays the way the Netherlands play if they the way England's playing if they play to that level tactically I don't think anyone in the world could beat them but they are are not set up that way and uh, and and I can't stress that to you enough it is it, it could become a problem for uh f- for today for this match with France and uh all eyes will be on that match it's going to be a a massive 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 game and um 3 p.m. eastern um we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes but um I I think it's a pick 'em game. I think it could go either way. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it shapes up. But uh, I am not confident in either direction. I think France has an excellent chance at winning this match, and uh, and and I think the U.S. have have a very good chance as well. So, the sponsor for the show for this half hour is Dut Kick Brand. You can learn more about Dut Kick Brand at d u t k i g brand dot com. Again, that is. D-U-T-K-I-G brand.com When you place your order to get your your next coaching or goalkeeper or player uh, journal uh, notebook use the promo code D-W-SHOW Again, that promo code is D-W-SHOW and you'll get 10% off of your order at dutkickbrand.com We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in this Friday morning, June the 28th, the day of the U.S. Women's National Team France matchup in the uh, Women's World Cup. It's uh, it's going to be an exciting day, and we are excited to have joining us this morning, Manya Papioni. She's the head coach of Marymount University Women's Soccer. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Daniel. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, we are we're excited to, to have a chance to, to talk to you today. Um, before we, I, I want to get into some of this U.S. Women's National Team France matchup with you here in a few minutes. But before we get there, I'd like to to find out a little bit more about you know how you fell in love with the game in the first place. How, how did this game grab a hold of you that you want to? spend your life uh, involved in the game, playing the game, and now coaching the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have two older brothers, and they played sports. They played soccer, lacrosse, basketball, baseball. Um, Naturally, I wanted to do everything that they did. I was a big tomboy. I even looked like a little boy. I got mistaken for a little boy. I had the little short boy haircut. Um, but I mean, I, I just absolutely love soccer. I mean, I was a multi-sport athlete growing up and I think that's important, um, you know, for these young athletes today is like, there is no such thing as early specialization. Like I think that, um, you know, I think youth athletes need to be able to play more than one sport just to experience different things, different coaches, different, um, you know, different sports just to develop and grow and, and not be, um, have all this pressure put on them. So I, absolutely loved all the sports that they played. I did gymnastics, basketball. I played baseball with the boys until they got to be too big. Um, but I had to make a choice in high school. Um, ODP interfered with gymnastics training at, um, Saturday morning. So, um, I, I picked soccer because I absolutely loved it. It was just a place for me, um, where I felt free. Um, I just absolutely loved running around, kicking the ball and just playing with my friends and, um, you know, I just continued from there. I just happened to be talented at that sport. I, I put in a lot of work. Um, in addition to my team trainings, I asked my parents for individual lessons and small group sessions. And, um, I mean, I was, I was a fast player. I was always the fastest one on the field and I just loved running and just loved scoring goals and loved celebrating with my teammates. Um, and then it just so happened that in high school, I got called in with the youth national team, just was not expecting to be able to play at that level. Um, wasn't even thinking about, you know, college soccer and that, that, that was a possibility. But once I got in that national team environment, you know, Tracy Leone, who was my under 19 national team coach, she really, um, you know, formed that mentality for me and really changed my life in the right direction that that was an option for me to continue on to college and play soccer. So I ended up going to Arizona state, um, from Connecticut originally. And, you know, I just wanted to get out of Connecticut, get out of my comfort zone, experience something new. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that I did and eventually continued on with the under 21 national team. And, um, the pro league was going on the first pro league WSA was going on while I was in college. So that just became, you know, reality for me that I can continue on with my soccer career and get paid for it and, uh, not get paid much, but, um, you know, continue on with the game that I love and, um, you know, once I graduated from, from college, I broke my leg and that kind of, um, put a damper in the plans that I had to go in with the national team and continue on with soccer, but it worked out. Um, ended up going to grad school, started coaching, um, at a division two school just to get my feet wet in that world. Um, you know, I, I knew that I did want to coach, um, but I wanted to play as long as I could. So fortunate and grateful to be able to, to play professionally for five years. And once I retired, um, got too many concussions. I had to make that decision. I knew that that coaching was going to be the path for me. I just love the game so much and I 
want to give these these young athletes that I'm coaching just experiences that I had, the good ones, and then, um, you know, also give them something that, that I never had. You know, I've had some pretty terrible coaches, but I've had some great coaches, so I've learned a lot of what not to do and, you know, what to do in my coaching. So um, you you covered a lot there, and, and I think there's a lot that we can unpack from that. So one of the first things that, that uh, I want to unpack with you is – um, why you think uh, multi-sport is is a good thing for young players? In, in your view, how does that help prepare a player to become their best? Um, you know, whatever sport they choose, their best, their, the best version that they can be in that sport. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad that you asked that question. I, I just had an interview with Nick Bonacore. He's um, he created the Reform Sports Parent. Just um, I think. Just to create more awareness and just to get parents to to realize the pressure that they are putting on their young athletes. Like I think, you know, these these parents see okay, a college athletic scholarship is a way, you know, to pay for for college that so we don't go into to debt with student loans, and they think that their eight year old is going to be this elite athlete if they just put pour everything into one sport and just get all this training and strength and fitness and all this stuff, but I think it, it just ruins the joy and the fun that young athletes should be having while playing sports. Like, I played because I had fun. Like, my parents were very, very supportive, and, you know, they said, you know, do whatever makes you happy, and you can do whatever you want to do, but they didn't put that pressure on me. I think that pressure that um, kids face anyway with school and, like, the social pressures of fitting in, like, we don't need to add to that pressure with being, okay, you need to be this elite athlete that. 10 years old, otherwise, you know, your life is ruined. Um, you know, so there are mental health repercussions from that, you know, physical, mental. Um, but I mean, I, I think we just need to go back to having these kids, you know, enjoy the sport that they're doing and like allow them to develop in different sports. Like it helped me, like gymnastics helped me become an athlete for soccer. Like there were times where like, you know, I got, I got kicked a lot because I was fast, you know, like I was able to kind of escape those situations because gymnastics helped me learn how to help me learn about my body and my body movement. So I think, you know, young athletes playing multiple sports will help them develop into the sport that they will eventually go into. So um, coming up, you're growing up, you, you get this opportunity to join the U.S. Youth National Team program. What was that like the first day you walked in? Were you were you like really really nervous? Were you excited? And did you feel like you had arrived, or did you feel like you were at the beginning of a new journey? Oh goodness, um, I was like a deer in, in headlights. Um, <laughs> a lot of mixed emotions. I, um, you know, I was very excited. I, I I knew that it was a great opportunity that not a lot of players were able to get. You know, it's it's invite only. It's the elite. It's the best of the best, and you know, I, in high school, I was, you know, I thought I was the best player out there, you know, like I had that swagger to me. And I think that is what helped me get to that level. But then, you know, everyone in national team camp is the best of the best. So you're competing against, you know, the top and competing with, um, you know, the, the top players in your age group. So um, it definitely was a humbling experience for me too. You know, like I thought I was so good because I was so fast, but then, you know, being in that camp, we did the beep test that first day and I was like the lowest score. And I was like, oh, shoot, like I need to change, you know, and, and Tracy did help me with that, you know, and just my, my attitude, like I, I just thought I was, you know, the best. I wasn't exactly the most humble um, athlete, but Tracy definitely helped me with my attitude. And just it's just a higher standard when you go into a national team camp. Like you don't understand what it's like until you're there. 
Um, but every single thing matters. Like Tracy talked about the little big things and, you know, is that like, like looking professional, like tucking in your shirt and pulling your socks up. Like I walked around with like my pants sagging down on the, like, you know, down, uh, you know, close to my knees. And she was like, this is not okay. Like appearance matters, like professional matters. Um, so that, you know, it was, it was definitely an interesting experience and definitely helped, um, you know, mold me into who I am today. Cause I, I do have high standards today. And a lot of my coaching comes from, you know, who I was as a player in that national team system. So you, you finish, uh, at college, you play five years professionally. You mentioned the fact that, um, although it wasn't for a lot of money, uh, and I, I, I was talking to someone the other day about this. It's 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 such an interesting dynamic of American soccer. Around the world, typically players will make more money than coaches. Um, but in America, especially in the women's game, it seems like the best opportunity to earn a living is to get out and coach, not to actually play, which is just a head scratcher for me. Um what has that experience been like for you in, in, in walking, literally walking that out each and every day, five years as a professional, and then you put on your coaching hat? Uh, you know, did you feel as a player that you, that, man, we should be getting more, that we should get, be getting paid more? Like, what, what was the kind of conversation in the locker room? And what are your thoughts on that dynamic of, of coaches typically earning more than, than the players do? Right. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, at first, I was so excited my first year to play professionally. I mean, I, I played on the LA Soul, which was, you know, a star-studded team. We had Marta Handuan, best player from China, best player from France. Ayamiyama, best player from Japan, you know, and the U.S. national team stars. I was just excited to be there. Um, you know, all that hard work that I had put into into my game was, you know, had finally paid off, you know, just to be able to say that you're a professional player and that you're getting paid to play. Yes, it wasn't much, but I didn't play for the money, obviously. You know, no one really plays for the money in women's soccer. You play because you love doing it and because, you know, you finally reached that pinnacle of your career. So, you know, my first couple of years, like, it, I didn't really, um, you know, necessarily understand the, that battle um, or, you know, was I aware of, you know, that it was an issue. Um, you know, just kind of going forward, um, you know, I played two years in the U.S. and then um, – I tore my ACL and uh, ended up going overseas and, um, you know, over there, it's same sort of thing. Like you just accepted a contract because it was an opportunity and you wanted to play and there weren't many opportunities for Americans to go overseas. Um, and then my fourth year playing in Finland, like I had to work a couple part-time jobs. Like I did, um, landscaping and like clean buildings to make extra money because I wasn't getting paid enough. Like I was actually losing money in Finland um, and then my last year playing with Sky Blue, like I just accepted a contract because, um, you know, again, like it was just an opportunity and I wanted to, um, you know, to continue to play in the U.S. in front of my family and, and my friends. So um, it wasn't until that last year at Sky Blue where I did realize, you know, that it was an issue and, you know, we would talk about it, but there was only so much power that the players had at that time. It was, this was before Yale, um, Avery Bush um, put together that, um you know, that group to represent players. So I know we're, we're definitely on the right track to, um, you know, to getting there, especially with the U.S. women's national team and the equal pay. And, um, you know, as much as we get, 
um, you know, movement towards that, there's still that, that gender inequity and bias um, within our culture. Um, you know, I've had conversations with, with males that are like, well, you're, you know, you're women, you don't deserve that. And it's like, it's, it's just shocking that we're still in a place of that mentality. It it is shocking, and uh, and I and I've heard those sentiments uh, echoed up and down uh, the U.S. soccer uh, ecosystem, including at the highest levels of U.S. soccer. Uh, I've heard about comments like that, where it's, you know it's just women's soccer, and um, I, I don't think it's any accident that. Uh, you know that the U.S. women's national team are are having to take legal action to to even try to get equal treatment. Um, the, you know the culture has been pervasive for for quite a while. We should be a country, especially with our women's national team program having the success it's had. Um, we should be a country that's leading the way uh, for the rest of the world in the way that we treat our uh, national teams and um and, and unfortunately that hasn't been the case so far i i hope that we after this uh, world cup uh, you know see through some of this mediation and other other uh aspects that um you know we see some of that change so getting into your coaching career uh what is your personal philosophy like how do you want to play when you're setting up a team to play um, you know, and, and you're going out and you're recruiting players to come in and play in, in your you know system and your philosophy. What is that system or philosophy for you know for a girl right now in high school that that's trying to figure out where do I want to go to college, where do I want to play? And you're trying on the flip side trying to figure out what players fit what you're trying to do. So what is that? What is that philosophy for you? Yeah, I mean, if you had asked me that question um, early on in my coaching career, even though I feel like I still am early on in my coaching career, but, you know, a few years ago, it it would be, give me the best player out there. I don't care, you know, who they are, what their character is, give me the best player, and I will put 11 of the best players out there. Um, You know, just in my my process of, um, in this coaching world, it's changed a lot, and this past year and a half has been, um, you know, big uh, personal and professional development for me and just you know to answer that question now it's team culture first and foremost off the field um, I want to create and foster an environment of family and a sisterhood Um, I don't care if you're the best player out there on the field if you're not a good teammate you're not a good person or citizen um, I don't want you on my team Um, I think that the the culture that you create off the field uh, translates very, very well onto the field. Um, you know, and for me as a coach, like I'm, I'm really just there to influence them, to guide them, um, you know, to share my experiences. Um, yes, I, you know, have played the game at the highest level, but you know, one of my biggest quotes is, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, you know, so for me, it's just creating and establishing those relationships with my players, um, you know, and just showing them that I care and showing that I'm interested in their life. Yes. I may not listen to the same music or, speak the same, you know, language that they do. Um, I don't even understand some of the slang words that they have, but, um, you know, if I show interest in them and their world, you know, they're going to see that I care and they're going to want to be out there playing their butt off for me and for each other. Um, you know, so for me, like a lot of the stuff that I do and team unity and team building, like, you know, we're all one big family union. Um, you know, so for me, um, once we do get on the field, you know, like they'll listen to me in training sessions and, um, you know, the way that I want to play is like, I want to keep the ball. Like I, I want to 
teach them. And I mean, I don't have much time for development in college, especially Division Three. There's a lot of um, time restrictions, but um, you know, out on that field, I want to teach them how to play a three-five-two because maybe they don't know how to do that. Like, I want to teach them a four-four-two box. Um, but for me, like, I want to keep the ball. I want to build all the back. Um, yes, if we're down one nothing with five minutes to go, we're going to play direct. So I want them to be able to problem solve on the field. Obviously, I'm not out there on the field with them, and there are certain things that I would do, but I want them to be able to think for themselves. Um, I think, you know, this generation, um, I'm, I'm learning a lot about how, how this generation ticks, and they want to be given the answers. But for me, like, I want them to figure it out on their own, so I'm going to help guide them in that process. So in in that uh, philosophy uh, of, of keeping the ball and playing out of the back, uh, what kind of uh, when when you're trying to implement that system and you're trying to teach them, what are some of the things that you're trying to do in terms of training? Is it use rondos? Is it pattern play? How how do you go about trying to teach a possession based uh, style and philosophy to your team? Yeah, for me, it's definitely a lot of of pattern play. I think I think you do need to do some possession in tight spaces because once you like build out through the back and like once in the midfield, like you are gonna face tight spaces but for me it's like creating that big shape and just going through different patterns um you know more as like a warm-up and just giving them ideas like okay you know here are your options here's what you should be looking um and for me you know one of my philosophies is one ball connects all you know as the ball moves everyone should be moving in a spot where if they were to get the ball next or second or third or fourth like they're in the right spot or going towards that right spot once the ball comes to them um, but for me, like my, my training sessions are very game like, you know, like if we're building out of the back, I'm going to have my, you know, my back three, back four, plus my holding mid or, you know, two center mids going against like my front five or six. And we're just going to do reps and reps and reps and, until, um, you know, we get it, we get it right and we don't get it wrong. Um, and just exposing them to game like situations. Like I, I think it's good to do possession, good to do technical warm ups, but they should be doing the technical stuff on their own. You know, and then, like, through the, the game, like, drills, like, you're going to be working on your technique. Like, say you, you know, failed to lock your ankle in the past and go where you wanted to go within that, that drill. Like, you're going to know that, and, like, you're going to fix it that next time. So your players and that you bring in, uh, how are they in, in learning this? Have they, have they encountered this? And the, the reason why I'm getting this question is, I'm I'm really wanting to take a look at coaching through the youth ranks before they get to you. So that, that just to give you a preface about that, what I'm about to ask, mm-hmm. when they come to you and and they enter into your program and you start to teach them the way that you want to play, is this new for them, or do a lot of these players come in understanding some of the basic concepts and have and have basic experience in what you you're trying to teach them uh, at, at you know, your program? Um, I would say it's, it's half and half. I mean, it depends when I was at Maryland division one level, you know, obviously I'm getting, you know, players that have played in the, at the DA level and, and ECNL level. Um, but even, even those players like didn't even know how to strike a long ball with their non-dominant foot. And I was like, you know, like, what did you guys work on? Um, or they just didn't know how to play out of the back. I'm like, you know, what did you guys work on? Um, you know, so like, you know, my challenge, you know, to club coaches is to develop these kids a little bit more because I think, you know, the, the pinnacle, um, age to develop a player, you know, tactically is, you know, is in high school, is in middle school. So, you know, by the time they come to us in college, like it's not too late because I think you can fix certain habits and you can help a player understand situations better. But in, with the time restrictions that we have, like, 
you know, we have to make that decision, okay, like, are we trying to fix certain habits, certain tactical understanding, or are we trying to win this game? So we're going to, you know, just go over three basic things um, for the entire team rather than focusing on the individual. So, um, you know, at the Division three level, I just started in April, so I, I, I'm not really sure too much about that answer for that level. Um, you know, just from what I've seen and just in conversations with the girls, like, they do have a basic understanding and um, you know, I think with any college team, you're going to have that mix, but, you know, especially freshmen coming in, um, you know, I, I put it on my upperclassmen, you know, to kind of help those freshmen understand, okay, this is how coach wants to play. Um, you know, I don't want to take away the individual creativity um, of that, but there are certain, um, you know, certain ways that I do want my team to play. Player pathways coming up as a player in, in your, you know, teenage years, there are a multitude of options you have you know da ecnl uh, high school how much do those different environments help uh you figure out you know who you're looking for in players it do do, do players primarily come from one of those environments or um are you able to to, to get around and see multiple environments how, how is that affecting kids from from getting uh, scouted uh in their ability to to play in college yeah i think that's a, a great question i mean i i try to see as many environments as i can um obviously the higher level ones the da ucnl i mean even EP national league um you know those are some good environments i mean and it depends on the club like you know there are some you know edp teams that can beat da teams um you know and i i think i think it's good in a way that we do have different leagues just to you know hold the other league accountable and make them better you know like the DA is getting better because the ECNL is getting better and they're pushing each other but it also creates um you know a scene where you know maybe it's too watered down and like the talent is dispersed too much that yeah the elite teams and the DA like they're beating those lower level teams in the DA but like is that still a DA standard um, you know, so for me, I, I do try to watch a couple of different environments just because you never know, like, if you're going to find that diamond in the rough in the lower level, um, lower level league, just because they don't have an opportunity to go play for a DA team, you know, whether it's location, um, cost, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, for me, like when I'm recruiting, like I, I look for specific players, personalities, positions, um, you know, it doesn't matter what the, what the league is to me. When, when you watch, uh, teams play when you watch uh you know coaches that you prefer who who are you watching for inspiration what kind of clubs coaches style of play what what are those teams that you watch uh to get inspiration um, i think i would get in trouble if i didn't say my husband's club <laughs> um my husband bobby he's the director of fc virginia um you know and i, and I have the um, fortunate enough to be able to work with them a little bit too. Um, but I've learned a lot from him. He, he came from Cincinnati, um, cup where they, you know, they were, you know, national champions with the oldest age group. And I've learned a lot from, him. he also works with the youth national team system too. So I've learned a lot from him. Um, you know, he, he is very good at what he does and he's good with those younger age groups and just the, the style of play. Like, you know, we'll watch games together, you know, even if it's a professional women's game or, you know, us game, um, you know, we'll talk about it, be like, you know, because we do have differing opinions on the game, um, but we also have similar viewpoints of the game as well. So definitely learned a lot from him. Um, I mean, there there are a lot of clubs. Um, I'd probably get in trouble if I name some and <laughs> not others. But 
I mean, there are, there are quality clubs out there, especially like the teams from California and teams down south. Like, um, you know, just in watching some of those teams and, and the way that they're teaching them how to play the game. Like, there's one team from California. Like, they make the game big. Like, they have such a big shape, and they are not afraid to knock around the back with three in the back. Um, you know, so it's just really exciting to see that you know that these club coaches are teaching these kids such a higher level of understanding of the game rather than just the individual technique. Well, I, I definitely don't want you to get in trouble with your husband. Um, so I'm glad you, you, you started with him, mentioned him. Um, do you, do you ever look at any of, of some of the other countries and what they're doing maybe in, in Spain or France, uh, England, uh, any of those leagues, men's or women's side that, that, you get take ideas from or, or look to see, Hey, how are they handling three at the back or et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, and just with my own playing career, I've played with, you know, players from other countries, um, you know, and played against them. So, you know, like I have a, a friend who I played in Iceland with, she's from Spain, you know, and we, we talk and, um, you know, she's getting into coaching and, and possibly being an agent. So like, we'll talk about stuff. And I mean, I think it's great, like fantastic. Like, I mean, look at Spain, look at Italy, you know, like, is in Cameroon, even Cameroon, like they've made it this far. Like, is this, you know, like that's for a reason, you know, like they've obviously been doing something right within the youth development in their countries. Like, I think we need to take a look at that, you know, and I think us prides themselves on, you know, playing the style that they play, you know, like we're attack mode, we're athletic, we're going to go forward every single chance that we could get, but can we be a little bit more well-rounded um, in our style of play and like look at Spain or look at Italy and, um, you know, even England, like look at how, how they're playing and can we take bits and pieces? Cause us, I mean, we pride ourselves on being the best and doing things better than every, everyone else. You know, can we do that within our youth development system too? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a critical point. And, uh, it's one in, in a lot of my conversations recently, um, looking ahead to today's match between the U S and France, where, where mm-hmm. I've, I've kept hearing over and over again, uh, that that this is going to be a big challenge, uh, and and one of the the issues is the fact that, um, you know, if Plan A doesn't work, uh, which is we're going to bring hellfire and brimstone from the outset, and and in much the same way that that the U.S. women went at Spain in the in the opening minutes of that match, they they were able to to win a penalty, get a goal. And then Spain answers, you know, two minutes later, right. and then the game totally went Spain's way for for the majority of the game, and, until the the dark arts took over, and uh, and the, and U.S. were able to escape with a two one uh, victory uh, at the end. But for mu- for much of that match, Spain were were able to kind of you know, um, I wouldn't say total control but they were able to have a big influence on Mm -hmm. on how the game was being played and it seemed like our women's national team were struggling to adapt because Mm -hmm. they are so attacked uh, attack minded and you know i do think we have the best players in the world i don't know that we have the best uh you know tactical system to to exploit Mm -hmm. that as a team um and and so i i'm you know, and even reading some of you know some of the f- former women's national team players and other commentators, and and, and kind of like how they feel today's game is going to go. There, it's it's split almost down the middle. France versus the U.S. Who's going to win? That's really how I feel. I, I feel like it go a number of different ways. 
How do you see today's match uh, playing out between the U.S. women's national team and France? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It can go one of two ways. I mean, you know, look at, you know, the the games, the previous games that France had to play. Like, they just played a tough game against Brazil. Like, that's going to prepare them for a game against U.S., and I think France knows, you know, exactly what U.S. has. Um, I think they're going to expect to see, you know, the U.S. coming out guns blazing, and they're going to absorb that, you know, because they are such a smart tactical team. Um, and then you look at the pathway that we had, you know, we played Thailand and, and Chile not, I mean, Chile is a great team and, and then, um, you know, Sweden, um, and then even coming from the game against Spain, like if, if we play that sloppily that, that we did against Spain, against France, like it's not going to look good for us, you know? So like, did our group games and the round of 16 prepare us for this game against France? I'm not too sure, you know? So I think, I mean, I do think that the U.S., um, you know, does have a plan B if plan A doesn't work, but, like, can they execute it as well as France's plan A? Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. Um, looking at this from a bigger perspective, what does this say if the U.S. women's national team, and I think I, I don't think it's that uh, disputable that we, we have the best talent on the planet top to bottom, on our women's national team, um, when you when you run out one through twenty three, um, when when you see this game today, and let's say let's say that the U.S. fails to get through and France wins, what does that say about our program uh, in 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 whole? Does it does it say anything on a macro level? Is this just a one off problem, or is it is it something we need to change with coaching? What what would you look at from a macro perspective if things don't go our way today? Right. No. I mean, I think I think we do need to look at it that way. You know, obviously, all these other countries are having these youth development plans in place and they're being successful. You know, like you know, even Spain, Italy, England. Um, you know, and then you have the the teams that are typically up at the top, like Germany and, and France and us. Um, you know, but like you also have to look at the Youth World Cup. You know, like when I played, um, I played in the first ever U19 World Cup. You know, we won it that year, 2000, um, 2002. And then after that, like they won it again with Tony. Like, but then since then, like how many times have we won it? And how many times have, you know, other countries that came out of the woodworks won it? You know, so I think we do need to look at that youth development model and just you know, obviously we're going to have the best athletes out there, um, you know, but tactically can we develop our youth athletes, um, you know, in a different way? Can we look at other countries and, you know, pick and choose what they're doing? Because obviously, like, you know, if we if the U.S. doesn't win it, you know, like there there is an issue deeper in the, in the youth um, development system. Completely. Um, and, and, you know, when I when I see today, I, I think there's so much on the line. Uh, that's what makes this matchup so intriguing. I think there's so much on the line for France. I think there's a some of the pressure of of doing something uh, against the U.S. in a tournament like this, and then you put on top of that the fact that it's at home in your home mm-hmm. country. Um, and I think there's a lot on the line for for the U.S. as well. And I think there's a a lot of pressure there. I, so, you know, when you if you look at who do you think has the most pressure, I think both countries have a lot of pressure for different reasons. Um, and, and, and it's 
part of the reason why I think it's a pick 'em game. I think it could go either way. I don't see a clear favorite in this match. Um, I, I agree with you. If the U.S. doesn't play well the way that they struggled against Spain um, you know, on Monday, if they struggle again today to adapt or, or you know, execute a plan B if plan A is not working, I think it could be a long day for the U.S. women's national team. On the, on the flip side, um, I think France, uh, if, they, if they don't come out, they, they know it's coming, but if they don't come out and execute their game plan to handle the onslaught and attack that's going to come in the beginning from the U.S., I think the U.S. Uh, plays, plays the bully, and, and I, uh, I use that term from, from the expression of, you know, they like to be very much the the attacker, the bully that comes at you. They want to beat you down and get you down and, and kind of, you know, we saw that with Thailand. One, yeah. two, three, four, five. Like they enjoy that kind of of play and that's how they want to come at you. And if France doesn't handle that in the beginning and they do make some errors and, and the U.S. is able to get up one, two, then I think it, it, it could definitely be a very uphill climb for France to, to – change that momentum uh in enough time to to get a result back the way they want and so it i think it's going to be fascinating to me what i look at in this match is we we could know the winner not based on the score line in terms of the u.s uh being up uh necessarily um in the first 15 to 20 minutes but we might know who's going to win if France is able to stifle the U.S. and if they are able to even score in the first fifteen to twenty, then I think the odds of France winning goes up drastically. If the U.S. are able to get one in the first fifteen to twenty, then I think we you got to lean towards the U.S. and it's not just based on a one zero score line in either direction. I think it has more to do with. I think it's going to be symbolic of how both teams are able to win their plan A's for that first 15 to 20 minutes, if that makes sense. Meaning France, does that make sense to you, the way France handles the U.S. coming at them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree with you. I think that that first 15, 20 minutes is going to set the tone for the rest of the game. Um, You know, like, I don't see either country kind of, like, sitting back and being like, all right, you know, like, U.S., what do you got? Like, I think, you know, France is going to go after the U.S., but also trying to absorb their attack. And, you know, the U.S., of course, is just going to, you know, go after them. Um, you know, so I think like whatever does happen, you know, like it's, uh, they're both teams are super competitive. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to let the other, I mean, they've had such a, a history of, of playing against each other. Um, you know, they're not going to sit back and think, all right, you know, what do you got? Like that, that fifth, 15, 20 minutes, like that's going to set the tone for the rest of the game. And, you know, whoever ends up with a goal in that, that time frame, like it, the game is going to settle out from there for them. Yeah, I and uh, it's just going to be interesting to watch. I know all mo- most eyes around the world are going to be on that that match. If you're if you're a footy fan today at three p.m. Eastern time, um, I, one question before I ask that my final question. So the last two here. One is um, when you look at the landscape of college soccer, um, how would how would you change it to make it better? How would you you know if, if you do you like it the way it is or do you, would you like to change things and how would you change it if, if you had that opportunity? Um, do you have like a week to talk about that? <laughs> um, 
we, we, we can always we can always bring you back on to get it even more yeah, no, in depth. I, I would love to do that. I mean, because I think that that's a ginormous conversation, um, you know, for another day. But I mean, I mean, I know on the men's side, like Sasha, when I was at Maryland, like he is pulling for like a, a year round um, sort of competition schedule, which like, I mean, it, it could benefit the men in a way just because the way that they're, you know, their professional um, layout is, is set up, you know, like a lot of those guys, like, you know, their, their ultimate goal is to go play pro, um, you know, whether it's in the MLS or overseas. So I think that that suits them better. I'm not sure if that will suit the women's game better to do a year round thing. Um, you know, but just as far as, um, you know, the women's game in, in college, like ultimately the, the goal is to win a national championship. So, um, you know, I found that a lot of coaches, you know, do anything and everything and, you know, um, you know, escape their morals to do that. And for me, like, my morals are, are bigger than winning a national championship. Um, you know, so for me, like, I, I wish there was more emphasis on, you know, just developing these kids who are going into the real world after they graduate. Um, yeah, a certain percentage will, you know, continue their career, whether it's overseas or um, small percentage in the in the U.S. here. But, like, for me, like, I look towards the future of, like, these kids are our future world. Like we need to develop them into good citizens and, um, you know, help them have a great experience so that they don't look back at the experience and be like, Oh, that was terrible. Cause coach only cared about winning. Um, you know, so for me, like I would love to be able to change that. Not that, you know, having a drive to win a national championship is a bad thing, but like, are you doing it in the right way? So my final question and, uh, and, and, and I'd love to have you back on to get more into the college specific conversation and maybe we'll do a whole week on college soccer. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, maybe by the end of the week, we'll have it all figured out. Um, is this, uh, if you were in charge of American soccer at, at large, the entire piece of American soccer for a day, what would you do with your one day in charge? Um, goodness, that's a great question. Um, I would say for one day, just run a big clinic of anyone who wanted any player who wanted to come and have fun and just let them be themselves and be creative and, um, just have fun. I think uh, like the game is missing that. Like, I think there's so much pressure on these kids that they're afraid to make a mistake, afraid to be who they are, especially like with what social media is telling them to be like. Um, you know, I, I think it would be good to just have one big fun day of playing soccer. <laughs> well, that that sounds like fun. I know my kids would be uh, would be excited for that as well. So uh, they're invited. That come. sounds good. Well, look, thank you for coming on the show. Good luck with your your upcoming season, and uh, we we will look to see if we can uh, get you back on soon to to talk uh, specifically college soccer. And I, I do think maybe we'll do a whole week of college soccer to talk about the different uh, levels challenges etc and and uh, who knows maybe by the end of the week we'll we'll have a we'll have an answer for somebody that uh, we can we can figure this whole thing out to 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 improve it make it better and um and uh, and we'll see we'll see where we land at the end of that week so thank thanks for yes, coming th- thanks for coming on today we really do appreciate it yeah thanks daniel i appreciate it Thank you. That is Manya Papioni. She is the head coach of Marymount University Women's Soccer, and we really do appreciate her coming on, spending some time with us, sharing her experiences and her background, her desire to want to uh, get into coaching. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm really glad she was able to come on and, and join us today. 
and uh, and share her insights and her thoughts. If you are if you're a, a a player and you aspire to play at a higher level, listen to the to these interviews and listen to things that they're talking about and and things that they're looking for characteristics. It will help you in your development. Or it will also help you later in life. Um, you know, becoming a, a well-rounded person, a respectful person, a good teammate. Those are all really good lessons to to take into life, not just into uh, into the sport of soccer. So, thank you to to Manya for coming on, and um, and good luck with her upcoming season. We look forward to having her back on again soon. The sponsor. This half hour is Charity Water. You can learn more about Charity Water at charitywater.org. We will be right back after this. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the lives of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for for tuning in uh, this Friday, June the 28th. U.S. Women's National Team taking on France, 3 p.m. Eastern standard time this is the match everyone's been waiting for everyone's been talking about everyone's been looking at analyzing dissecting you have former players uh, going in both directions don't know which way this is going to go I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup no matter uh, which way this thing lands Um, last night Copa America continued Brazil Paraguay penalties. Brazil um, takes the early lead, chokes in the fourth round, um, but is able to come back in the fifth round after a horrible miss, horrible miss um, by Paraguay. And uh, and Gabriel Jesus takes the the final kick, and they they win on penalties after the five rounds, four three in advance. Um. I, I would say that they they didn't play all that great last night. Um, they were fortunate to advance, but you know what? In a tournament, you, you, that's that's all you you want at the end of the day is to continue playing. They were able to do that today in Copa America, same time as the Women's World Cup uh, between France and the U.S. Is Copa America Venezuela Argentina? 3 p.m. Eastern, and at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight, Colombia and Chile. And um, I've got some some friends, uh, some Colombian and Chilean friends who are, who are going to uh, be all eyes at 7 p.m. Eastern on that match. Um, 
and uh, well, it it will be a hilarious uh, text messaging back and forth, depending on how that uh, how that match goes. Um, two big matches today in Copa America at three Venezuela Argentina and at seven Eastern Colombia Chile. So we'll see how we'll see how that plays out um, as well uh, in terms of of uh, you know the Copa America can can Messi and Argentina who have been awful uh, and, and I'm not talking about Messi I'm talking about the team has been awful for Argentina. Can they find a way through and continue to advance or do they get knocked out um, today? Um, if if I had to put money down, I'd say Venezuela wins just because I think Argentina has been terrible. They've been, they've just been dreadful. Um, but you know, who knows Messi, um, maybe he's able to beat 11 players on the field like multiple times today um, and and drag his team through to the next round because the rest of the team has just been abysmal. If ever you wanted to see a picture of of terrible coaching, watch the Argentina game. Uh, it's going to be awful. I don't know how this guy has kept his job throughout the tournament. I mean, it's that bad. Um, the players have just, I mean... You can go look at screenshots and pictures. I mean, I mean it's been terrible. Um, no players in the middle of the field. Uh, like, literally no midfield. Just a giant, like, U-shape around the edge of the field. I mean, it's happened multiple times. No positional awareness at all. Um, I mean, it's it's basically, hey, let's just stand on the side and watch Messi try to beat 11 guys. It's It's been absurd it's been sad if i'm messy i'm completely frustrated um it, it's been a mess it's shambles um argentina have got to got to get their act together um as a country and um and their federations had a lot of issues and and i i think it's had an effect on on their national team uh, both national teams, men's and women's national teams, and and we're seeing this in Copa America. It's it's been it's been really bad. So uh, so we will see how that plays out today as well. Three p.m. Eastern and uh, seven p.m. Eastern tonight. Colombia, Chile. The U.S. Women's National Team, France Women's World Cup, three p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're watching this in America, it'll be on Big Fox today, and um, uh, as, as a, one of your viewing options. And uh, I, I encourage you to 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 take take in all the soccer you can, uh, and uh, and and watch and enjoy, and we'll see how this match plays out, and we will uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. That's all I can say. I don't know how this thing's going to go. I, I feel like I know how both teams are going to try to go, but I have no idea who's going to execute better, and that's really what it's going to come down to: who executes their game plan the best. U.S. or France. And I think whoever executes that is going to go through. Um, You know, if if I had to pick, I'm going to say France wins 2-1, but I have no confidence in that pick. I think it could go 2-1 in the other direction. Uh, I don't see a blowout in either either direction um, because I think these two teams are top-notch. And um, whoever comes out it's going to be another tough test right away in the very next match in the semifinal against England. So good luck to the ladies today. We'll see how it goes. Um, 
we'll be rooting for you from uh, from the shores of the U.S. Uh, and uh, all eyes will be on France. We'll see everyone again on Monday. As always, you can watch the show live 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on DanielWorkman.com. You can also learn more about the show at DanielWorkman.com or you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, at DanielWorkman, Facebook.com forward slash WRKMN. We'll see everyone again on Monday. Goodbye.